But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? All right, mate. Welcome to a bonus episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And we are having a break over Christmas and New Year's at the moment. And uh, we're bringing out new episodes in January 2021. But uh, Stephen and I talked about this for a while, but we've realized that so many actors uh, from Seinfeld and actresses, you know, passed away. Lots of uh, people who were involved in the show. There's been at least, I think, like 11 or 12 people people who've died, especially like Jerry Stiller and Rini Santoni and Richard Hurd and, you know, lots of other people. And we thought, you know what, Steve, I think we should do like a, an in-memoriam, you know, we can pay tribute to their legacy and we can talk about our favorite things that they've done on the show and maybe talk a bit about their careers overall. Yeah. I mean, every year since we've started the podcast, there's been at least one or maybe two, you know, major actors who've passed on, but this year seemed uh, especially notorious for that. Um, I guess it's just the age group. A lot of the people who we'll talk about, you know, are sort of in their 80s or 90s. So, you know, as time goes on, the chances increase as the show gets older. But uh, yeah, we figured a good way to not only tide you over over Christmas, but to also celebrate, you know, all the individual actors and their individual contributions to the show um, would be a nice way to round off the year and to acknowledge the, you know, swath of talent that we've uh, unfortunately lost this year. Yeah, and there's been so many. Yeah, you're absolutely right. A lot more than usual and a lot, and there'll probably be a lot more over the years to come, especially with the age of the show. But um, just one thing we want to say before we do get into this, um, we are recording this on December the 17th, so there could be, well, hopefully there's no other passings between now and when we uh, come back. But uh, yeah, what we have at the moment is who has been known to have passed away as of that date. So if anything happens after that, then uh, yeah, we apologize for not mentioning them. Yeah, we uh, we have dubbed this the last recording of the year. So hopefully, fingers crossed, no one else passes away for the last remaining two weeks and well into next year as well. Obviously, we want uh, maximum time between passings uh, as possible. But uh, yeah, if someone does pass away between now and the end of the year, we will acknowledge that in the first standard episode back in 2021. We'll talk about if that happens. Yeah, if. <laughs> well, let's say life is, a, especially this year, my friend, life has been a very, uh, it's been lots of roundabouts, lots of, uh, you know, lots of things that have happened. We've had to overcome a lot of adversity. So uh, yeah, we just take it as it comes. huh? Yeah, this year I was comparing life in the last 12 months, especially. I mean, for most people, but for me personally, it's been a especially hard with the loss of a few close family members. But I uh, compared myself to a, uh, a speedball in 2022, a very experienced boxer's fists just pounding me relentlessly. And uh, again, obviously that can apply to all of us to a certain extent. And I'm sure lots of other people have gone through a lot worse years than I. But uh, yeah, it's been a challenging 2020. And, uh, you know, another reason for that is the loss of, again, so many fantastic actors and actresses and uh, real life people who were, you know, perhaps unseen on the show, but still contributed to its legendariness and its legacy. So uh, why don't we kick it off? We're going to do this in chronological order in terms of the dates of these actors, actors and actresses deaths. So we'll start at the top. The first actor to pass away, uh, which was February 27 this year, was uh, Eugene Donarski. His name is Gene Donarski, so we'll just refer to him as Gene. Uh, and he played Izzy Mandelbaum Jr. Uh, on a couple of episodes of the show. That's correct. I in The Blood and The English Patient and uh, he was 86 when he passed and uh, oh, one thing we forgot to mention was we're going to mention the actors and the people who are more hands-on with the show first and then we've got a few people who uh, were referenced in the show like actually they weren't on the show but they were referenced in some way so we'll start with the like the mainline you know Seinfeld people first and then we'll go with them. Yeah no that's that's a good point. Yeah for sure but anyway yeah Gene Dynaski yes he did play Izzy Mandelbaum Jr. in two episodes of the show uh, I thought it was really funny uh, I don't know too much about 
about Gene's career, but uh, he's had a very extensive career in film and television. Uh, he's got lots of credits. And uh, yeah, I, I, sp- I find him in this episode. He wasn't in too much of Seinfeld, but when he was in, he had a, a really big impact. And uh, I love how he was just like a you know, spitting image in terms of his personality of his father. Yeah, I mean, the Mandelbaums are some of the most popular secondary characters on the show. Um, and we've talked about them at length, all three generations of uh, Izzy Mandelbaum. And yeah, he was just part of that legendariness. So even though he was only on two episodes and uh, his character in both isn't sort of pivotal or imperative to the storyline, definitely uh, a lasting memory and a lasting legacy in terms of, you know, Seinfeld secondary characters, which is what we concentrate on and just among Seinfeld fandom in general. Uh, you did say that you weren't aware of uh, much of what he's been in outside of Seinfeld. Um, I've got a very uh, summarized uh, filmography for him. Just going through it, I think the most notable appearances were he played an act, he played a character called Ike, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was a, you know, transformative movie for a lot of reasons, for sci-fi and for Spielberg especially. Oh, yes, he was in that movie, of course. Yeah, he also yes, he played a role, Quinteros, Quinteros, in uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, that was in 1988, but he also played a couple of characters in Star Trek in the 60s. So he played a role in 1966 called Ben Childress. And I don't know the specifics of these roles, whether they were major or minor roles. I'm just reading the characters' names that he played. Yeah, and then again in 1969, he played a, uh, he double dipped, so to speak. He played hmm. a second character uh, in the original Star Trek series called Krodak. Sounds like a uh, an alien evil guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> or a ripoff of, Ko- of Kojak. Yeah, sounds maybe Krodak <laughs> is a Klingon character. No idea. Sure. But then they, yeah, 20 years later, they brought him back for Star Trek The Next Generation. So they must have been uh, looking at some of the old actors from the show, maybe, and, uh, you know, decided to bring them back because they're already, they already sort of familiar with the mythology and the, the world of, of Star Trek. You know, they didn't have to learn it all. Uh, and his final sort of notable role on this film Filmography. And again, it's not his last role, but just the last on this list. He played Joseph Stalin in uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert, which for uh, me nice. growing up in the 90s was a was a huge game. I loved that game so much. Um, and I do remember there was a lot of uh, videos between each mission as you played single player. And uh, it was basically the, the Allies versus the Russians. It was sort of like a, a fictionalized version of the Cold War where there was an actual kinetic war rather than just a Cold War. And uh, yeah, Joseph Stalin was, the way he portrayed Joseph Stalin was just a typical, you know, over the top ludicrous dictator um, as I'm sure Stalin was but uh, mm. yeah for me personally that's probably my you know <laughs> my most uh, notable role outside of Seinfeld because that game meant so oh, much nice. nice well I, I was never good at those real time strategy games I'd always fail after like five minutes but I'm sure I'll, I'll go on YouTube and I'll, I'll find those videos and check them out that sounds fun yeah 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 it's just a you know an over the top portrayal of a uh, well known historical dictator you know, yeah. very Russian and very just uh, insane but, uh, <laughs> very yeah, worth, worth checking out if you can track them down uh, for sure. And uh, yeah, Gene, like I said, he was only in two episodes, but uh, yeah, he was he was very fun. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Anyway, next one I have, uh, Sam Lloyd. He passed away on April 30th of this year. Uh, he was 66. Uh, his, he played Ricky in two episodes of the show. He was in the Cigar Store Indian where he tries to seduce Elaine in his <laughs> nerdy sort of way. And he's also in the final scene in the episode, The Pie, where we see how the Elaine Mannequin was made. He's uh, the creator of the Elaine Mannequin. Yeah, it's such a strange bringing back of his character uh it's an excellent one but it's one of those you know mysteries that as you're watching uh that episode you're like where does this mannequin come from because elaine's trying to figure that out she's like where does this come from who makes it and she is sort of running into roadblocks and then right at the end it just smash cuts to him making the mannequin and uh i think it's a perfect callback because as soon as he saw elaine on the on the on the train he was obsessed you know he tracks her down to jerry and uh estelle's house george's house and gives her a tv guide a bunch of flowers i guess just a total total creep total weirdo very very obsessed and the fact that you know he was so fixated that he you know modeled 
Gold. His future mannequin designs after Lane, I think, made him a underrated but uh, very, very memorable secondary character. Yeah, an extremely creepy guy. But uh, Sam, he was more famous for appearing in Scrums. He played the character of Ted on that show. So he, while he was in Seinfeld in a couple of episodes, he got his fame from Scrubs. Yeah, that was definitely his most high-profile role. Um, again, just, just reading through a couple of his more notable roles. Well, I wouldn't say notable roles, but roles in notable movies because, again, I'm not aware of the specific characters and whether they were major or minor in these films. But he was in Flubber. Uh, he was also in Galaxy Quest, which were pretty big oh, yeah. times. That's a fun, that was a fun movie, an underrated one, I think. Yeah. It's actually yeah. all right, Galaxy Quest, yeah. I've seen it in a long, long, long time. Yeah. So he, he didn't have a bad film career. But uh, his, uh, you know, his main bread and butter was definitely television. So going back all the way to the late 80s, he started uh, his first major appearance was in Night Court. Then he was in Matlock, Seinfeld. Uh, he was also in Mad About You, Drew Carey Show, Third Rock from the Sun, Two Guys and a Girl, Spin City. Uh, so he was he was a very prominent sort of secondary and character actor in uh, 90s sitcoms by the look of it. That run just yeah. there, like I said, we've got uh, Mad About You, Drew Carey, Third Rock, Two Guys, a Girl and a Girl, uh, Spin City. And then uh, onto yep. the 2000s, I guess as TV changed, he sort of pivoted as well. He got into more serious sitcoms. So he was on The West Wing and then NYPD Blue. And then, as you said, on Scrubs, which was definitely his most prolific Recognizable role. Recognizable role. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He was on that for eight seasons. He was in 95 episodes. So I think he appeared in the majority of the episodes. Uh, and then, you know, the sort of the last decade of his career, again, still acting in a lot of really, really high profile shows. He was in Numbers, Cougar Town, Modern Family, Bones, Shameless, and his final yeah. role before his passing. Uh, at least on television, was in a, I don't know the series, but uh, it was called American Housewife. So yeah, quite a, uh, a storied career. You know, each yeah. decade seemed to carry its own type of show. You know, 90s was the, uh, the, the lighthearted, you know, mainstream sitcoms. And then the 2000s were more serious cop shows. And then, you know, the third decade of his uh, television career, the last 10 years or so, um, there's just like a mix of, you know, more serious stuff, more lighthearted stuff. So yeah, gifted actor and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a very respectable TVography uh, in his career. Definitely a very utilised character actor in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, he, uh, he had a great career. Yeah, and he kind of had the uh, that nature where he was a bit dry, a bit awkward. And, um, you know, I think that made him a, a unique actor and uh, made his characters very, very memorable, a la Seinfeld. Yeah, for sure. And that's why Ricky is definitely yeah, one of those memorable, you know, one-off or two-off secondary characters on the show. Lane, you're looking scrumptious. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking scrumptious. I made this for you. I made this for you. <laughs> yeah, but it was very sad the way he went, but uh, his legacy lives on. Indeed. Now, Stephen, probably one of the, probably the toughest one to take, or probably the biggest actor on the show to have passed or to have left us this year, Jerry Stiller. I mean, this man needs no introduction at all, but he passed away on May 11th and he was 92 years old. He is the father of Ben Stiller and he was the husband of Anna Mira and they were married for uh, 60 years before. She passed away first, I think in 2015 or thereabouts, and uh, he passed away this year. He obviously played Frank Costanza, one of my favourite secondary characters on Seinfeld. He is just a juggernaut. Every time he's on, he was on the scene or in the scene, he just uh, he killed every scene he was in. He, he's a real real scene stealer. Yeah, I mean, his character in the show, Frank, again, needs no introduction. Even casual fans of the show would probably rate him as one of the best if not the best character. You know, he regularly appears amongst uh, best characters, most memorable characters. He's in a lot of the classic episodes as well. And yeah, he's, like you said, he's just 
just a scene stealer um, an absolutely insane ridiculous man but yeah just we could sit here and talk for the next hour about how great he is but you know to really do him justice you just have to watch the scenes that he's in and the episodes as yeah, well yeah. master classes exactly and what I really liked about Jerry Stiller um, on and I'm not sure if it was his style on everything he did but uh, there's always been reports over the years and, and Jerry Seinfeld has talked about his uh, legacy in interviews and stuff and especially around his passing in May that uh, he barely needed any direction you know he didn't really like scripts he was just given a vague idea of what the scene was about and he kind of just went with it and uh, yeah. it was the one actor who always made everyone else laugh you know it was probably really hard to act around him because it was always just so comical you know even for, for, yeah. for professional comedy actors he was just uh, you know another level of difficulty which I guess is a testament to his comedic skill you just have to see all the outtakes especially with Julia Louis-Dreyfus there's a lot of them where she's in scenes with Frank and uh, yeah she just can't stop laughing <laughs> you know he's just, his delivery is just impeccable and I, I think he's probably yeah, one of the greatest actors to ever grace the show for sure for sure and uh, given his age he has a very 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 comprehensive filmography again I'll just go through uh, from the start of his career until towards the end some of the highlights that catch my eye uh, so he, he was in uh, Hairspray in the 80s he was in A Fish Called Wanda which is awesome uh, he was in Zoolander he famously played uh, Derek Zoolander's father mm. he was also in Anchorman um, and a whole bunch of other awesome movies he was in the second Zoolander as well his TV career is even more storied a lot of these shows I don't really recognize but uh, starting from the late 70s early 80s he was in The Love Boat he was in uh, Trapper John MD which was a pretty popular show back in the 80s Murder She Wrote uh, Law and Order LA Law and then after Seinfeld seemed to be well, you know, you would call it the sort of the star and a very, very big crown, but his profile sort of maintained after Seinfeld when he got a prominent role, not even a secondary character role, I would say a, a feature role in uh, The King of Queens. Can't yeah, that's right. Name. He played Arthur. Arthur, yeah. I think. He was, uh, I think the, the not not Kevin James's father, I think it was uh, his wife's father. So Kevin yeah, James's yeah. father-in-law, I'm pretty sure. Arthur. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could sense a lot of inspiration from Frank Costanza. He wasn't as insane and deluded, but uh, he was a bit, you know, he was a bit grumpy, a bit irritable. And, uh, you know, he'd lose lose it every so often. But uh, And I think that's really, really cool that a, an actor in their 70s or 80s, or, you know, when he started in Seinfeld, he would have been, I guess, early 60s, maybe mid-60s. Yeah, thereabouts. And that win carried for two decades. It wasn't just a, you know, sometimes actors get a second wind and it lasts a couple of years because they're in a big movie and then they kind of fizzle out again. But he was so good in Seinfeld that for five or six years while he was in Seinfeld and then another nearly 10 years in The King of Queens is really impressive. So, yeah, yeah, he was really prominent in the 2000s and especially with his roles like you said in Zoolander well it was his, his son's <laughs> his son's film but you know he was in other other prominent shows and uh, it goes to show yeah especially at his age he was uh, he was able to get being pretty good films and TV shows even uh, into his 80s yeah which is not common you know most actors in their 60s 70s are either retiring or their career is winding down um, it's rare that they get a, a second win and then that second win is actually more popular than the you know than the peak of their career maybe in the 20s and 30s and 40s so yeah very impressive as an actor comedic skill you know nearly unmatched I would say and Frank Costanza, like we've said at the top of his section, is just, you know, one of the best, one of the best, if not the best secondary character. For sure. Because I feel like with with Jerry, I feel like at the time in the 2000s, I think his role in The King of Queens was more popular than his role in Seinfeld. Like now, obviously, with Seinfeld being more, you know, part of the zeitgeist of, you know, social media and, you know, like nostalgia for TV shows and stuff. But I feel like back then, he, his King of Queens role was probably bigger. It was probably bigger in terms of popularity amongst just general TV viewers because he was in every episode 
he wasn't he was a, a standard cast member but i would i would argue that in terms of legacy frank costanza is more impactful than than uh, his character in in king queen's arthur so yeah I, I i think each role had their own you know has its own legacy of its own you know one one is maybe more popular one is maybe more just has more weight because of the, the memorability yeah. of how memorable that role is yeah for sure that's what i mean so i think these days frank is more popular but i, I feel like yeah back then like you said with a general tv audience arthur was probably more popular at that point yeah for sure for sure yeah so, but anyway yeah jerry probably the biggest the biggest loss in from the show that we've had this year definitely the one that was felt most among seinfeld fans i would argue and uh you know mm-hmm. and just to say that as well we're not saying that anyone's passing is any more or less important than the other but uh just given the legacy of frank stanza and he was the probably the most popular secondary character who did pass away or sorry actor who played a secondary character who passed away just that in and of itself as well um just added to the loss that everyone felt and uh i mean it actually caused and i mean this is no you know it doesn't again add anything to his passing but it is worth noting that um michael richards after more or less being silent in the media for you know 11 12 years after a much publicized uh breakdown i guess you could call it or rant at a comedy show which i'm sure you will know about and you can look up if you want to but we won't go into that here he actually jumped on instagram purely to uh pay tribute to jerry when he passed um he put up a really really touching post and he talked about what an inspiration he was and how he raised the standard of everyone on the show when he was on set and uh, i did check that instagram profile uh before we started recording and it's still the only post on that instagram it's the only social media or the only sort of well yeah any form of social media that michael richards has so yeah he did it just to pay tribute to jerry so uh yeah Yeah. it it was very touching yeah that's right anyway we've got quite a few more people to go through or has been a pretty uh, tragic year but uh next up uh Richard Hurd, he passed away on May 26. He was 87 years old. He played uh, George's, well, I guess, sub-boss, Wilhelm. Yeah, I'd say maybe George's line manager, but uh, not- Line manager, big, yeah. Yeah, not, not the big boss. No, not the big boss. No, probably in the next next one up, yeah, before uh, George Steinbrenner, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Wilhelm, you know, I, I like his character, Wilhelm. Like, he starts off as, a, he's, he's a very aloof character, and he kind of starts off as very aloof and, uh, you know, unaware of the situation, you know, especially with George. He thinks that George is a hard worker, and uh, or he has complete trust in him. And then later on, we see him, he uh, gets indoctrinated into a cleaning cult. Yeah, all throughout the show, his character seems to be slightly disconnected from reality or what's really going on, whether it's by delusion or by ignorance or by naivety or who knows. But uh, yeah, it, it eventuates that he uh, joins a carpet cleaning cult. The second. <laughs> yes, I'm joining cleaning. Uh, it's good. Yeah. So uh, yeah. again, just, just touching on the highlights of his filmography, going back to the 70s, he appeared in All the President's Men. He appeared in Planes, Trains and Automobiles. He was in Sergeant Bilko. And uh, towards the end of his career, he was in a few movies called Anne Nicole, Dog Days of Summer, and Inalienable. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. much like Jerry Stiller and most of the actors who we've talked about and will talk about, TV was where he really shone. He was in, well, more or less 50 to 60 shows all the way back to the early 70s. Ones that really stand out, Starsky and Hutch, uh, MASH. Dallas, uh, the uh, the misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. He was in the A Team, Knight Rider. Uh, he really, really acted in a lot of. Uh, he was in Matlock. Uh, oh god, lots lots of eighties big hitters. Yeah, lots of eighties. Uh, Jake and the Fat Man. Oh wow. Of- a lot of the big 80s shows. Uh, yeah. He didn't really slow down. You know, even though he's sort of pushing 70 uh, in the 90s, he really didn't slow down. You know, Seinfeld, even after Seinfeld, he was in nearly something every year. He was in JAG, Fugitive, Family Law, NYPD Blue, Desperate Housewives, Cold Case, CSI Miami. Uh, and his last credited TV role was in, he was in an episode of Hawaii Five-0, and that was 2018. So he was acting, right. he was acting all the way up until, you know, a couple of years before his passing. And, uh, and as you said, he was 87. 
and he passed away. So he was act- still acting at 85, which is good for him. He went on to the very end. So he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Yes. But yeah, very uh, an- another memorable secondary character, Wilhelm. Indeed. Indeed. Anyway, going from actors, we're going to someone who was he was kind of involved in the show. He was Jerry Seinfeld's publicist at the time that the show aired. Um, and his name was Joe Sutton. He passed away on July 16th. He was 83 years old. Uh, like I said, Jerry's publicist at the time and also a champion of the show. Yeah, he was one of the early champions of the show. He was also Jerry Seinfeld's manager. Oh, manager, yeah, and publicist, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he was he was sort of, uh, you know, one of the many people responsible for taking Jerry Seinfeld from a mid-level comedian in the 80s and, uh, you know, helping guide him and make the right decisions. And obviously with Larry David and a whole bunch of other people at NBC and probably other people we don't even know about, you know, turning Jerry Seinfeld and then the show Seinfeld into the, you know, cultural landmark that it is, was, and will ever be. So um, I don't really have a whole lot about his professional career here, you know, whether he was a manager just for Jerry um, or whether he, you know, managed other people as well. Mm. But uh, yeah, a big loss, I'm sure, felt um, amongst the sort of the more the more industry side of the industry, the back the back end of the industry, more than the sort of celebrity public facing stuff. And the fact he was championing the show at the very start, you know, it goes to show that he knew like, you know, lots of others of people didn't think that Seinfeld would be a hit, but uh, Joe, he saw what was going to happen and he knew that it was going to revolutionize TV the way we see it, especially well, comedies at least. Yeah, for sure. And sorry, I did say before that I don't have a list of, I didn't have a, a list of many of his other professional clients, but uh, just looking at an article here, he actually, so he wasn't specifically Jerry Seinfeld's personal manager. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld was his client on the PR and management firm that he founded. It was called Freeman and Sutton. That was launched in 62. And over that, uh, um, it might still be around, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but over the years since the early 60s, some of their clients have included Jerry Seinfeld, obviously, but Reynolds, Drew Barrymore, Martin Lawrence, The Oprah Winfrey Show, Twin Peaks, and uh, even some sort of institutes, the American Film Institute, the Motion Picture and Television Fund. So uh, I'm sure, you know, a lot of his uh, time and energy was concentrated on Jerry in the 80s and, and especially 90s because, you know, that was the peak of his uh, commercial and professional success. And also probably when he was busiest. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, outside of Seinfeld, a very, very successful career in entertainment management and PR. Yeah. He was very, uh, very prominent in that industry and, sure. and missed, missed in that community for sure. Indeed. And uh, also Wilford Brimley is up next. He uh, passed away on August 1st. He was 85 years old. He played uh, Postmaster General Atkins in a very memorable scene, a one-off scene in uh, season nine's The Junk Mail. And uh, he's most famous for being a spokesperson for Diabetes. Yeah. I mean, he was a well known actor but he was sort of an actor's actor and then when he did those PSAs in the I think the 70s and the 80s maybe even into the 90s for diabetes he just did a bunch of um, public service announcements you know recommending that people go get tested for diabetes Uh, he was kind of known from those ads outside of the acting world purely because of the way he said diabetes he said it diabetes diabetes that's right diabetes and because he's got such a uh, sort of exterior and a very, very staunch, no bullshit kind of nature. Uh, and his southern, thick southern twang, all of that combined with the diabetes to make him, you know, an extremely uh, successful, extremely skilled and uh, extremely memorable actor. For me personally, this is probably the, the the passing that I felt most sad about. Probably on par actually with Jerry Stiller. Yeah. I didn't especially yeah. know much about Wilfred Brimley outside of those ads and uh, a few bits and pieces that I'd seen him in and obviously the Postmaster General uh, in, in the junk mail. But just him as a person and uh, watching interviews with him after he passed away just really, really, really made me like him. He just seemed like a you know a very successful actor, but not someone who really partook in Hollywood or the industry. No, he did it his own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, he lived in mostly uh, on ranches in like Utah. And I think he was in maybe Wyoming or Montana. 
Montana when he passed away. So, you know, he, he lived a life very different to most successful Hollywood actors. Um, and his career really didn't take off until he was middle-aged, which is another, you know, unique yeah. that doesn't, well, not unique, but a very rare thing that doesn't happen yeah. to many people. Yeah, he got, a, in a way, a second wind, <laughs> just like Jerry, in a way, or even a first wind. Yeah, and before, before acting, most of his career was spent in the military. So he was in, I think, just the standard military corps. And then uh, he was also in the Marine Corps as well. Uh, and then I'm, I'm not too sure exactly how he got into acting, whether he fell into it or whether it was a, a deliberate career move. But yeah, very, very interesting man. Not just by the way he lived, but his uh, story career as well. He was also a ranch hand, a wrangler, blacksmith. Hmm. So very, very... very um, yeah, very good with his hands. Yeah, yeah. Very traditionally masculine roles. And it kind of suits his personality. If you if you watch him in an interview and in the show, he's, uh, you know, he's quite, he's not unfriendly, but he's just very gruff, you know, yeah. only says what's necessary. He doesn't have a lot of like pizzazz. I loved his mustache. <laughs> he just had a nice, yeah, nice uh, yeah, I think I had a handlebar I mustache. I think all of his power and uh, gravitas purely comes from the mustache. Yeah, and, uh, that's that, that's how he's able to do blacksmithing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, <laughs> power. Uh, his typical character, Samson with the hair. A Samson yeah. with his hair. That's right. Yeah. He cuts it off. He, he becomes weak. Mustache. He would just turn into a you know just a blob. He uh, <laughs> he, would he would lose all of his willfulness. He um, wouldn't be able to lift an anvil. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, just going through quickly before we move on, his um, filmography is most well known for a starring role in Cocoon and then Cocoon The Return in 88. Um, he may have even won an award for that um, or maybe the movie did. I'm not entirely sure. But that's or at least nominated. Yeah. And then uh, he he was in a fair few movies. His last credited role was a film in 2017 called I Believe. Um, there's actually a role, uh, a movie, it says 2BA here to be announced called Cellophane. Don't know if Wikipedia is just not updated or if it's just not out. Maybe they're trying to, you know, maybe they only filmed half of his footage or something and they're trying to figure out what to do. They, off, You know, that often happens when an actor passes away during filming. They've got to mm. figure out a way to salvage what they've got because they haven't got a complete, you know, suite of scenes. But yeah, again, one of another actor that you know was was active, although less so, but still um, respectably so. Um, you know, up until towards the end of his life, for sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, Wilford, he had a good life, just like everyone else on this. Uh, <laughs> pretty much everyone on this list, he did. And another actor who was very well, very prominent on the show, or, or not as prominent as the others, but still prominent nonetheless when he appeared. Uh, Rini Santoni, he played Poppy in several episodes. He passed away also on August first, the same day as Wilford Brimley. Uh, he was eighty-two years old. He was also most famous for playing Chico in the film Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I do remember August 1st uh, specifically for, you know, the passing of two Seinfeld legends. So, uh, yeah, Brini, another fantastic actor. He started a lot earlier than... Um, some of the last people that we've just talked about. Um, he started acting at a very young age. Like you said, he was best known for his role in uh, Dirty Harry. But again, he uh, he featured in quite a lot of other roles in excellent movies. He was in 28 Days. He was in Private Parts, underrated film, Groundhog mm. Day. He was also in Cobra, again, another underrated action film from the 80s. He was in tons and tons and tons of movies. Yeah, just fantastic actor and uh, fantastic secondary character. Poppy is, is another yeah. top character, you know, that we've talked about at length and is much loved by the Seinfeld fans. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, I've, I've washed my hands. Well, pre-COVID, I watching Seinfeld, I washed my hands more regularly than I should have, but now COVID has basically reinforced it for me. So uh, I have Poppy to thank for that. Yeah, there's a really healthy, obviously, Seinfeld meme community. You know, a lot of Seinfeld scenes, classic Seinfeld scenes are usually memed into and uh, adapted into whatever's going on in the world. And I would say that the most popular, uh, maybe not the most popular overall, but the most, what's the word? The most increase in uh, memes was anything to do with Poppy this year with COVID and hygiene and hand washing. Uh, hmm. So in a way, you know, his his legacy was kind of 
amplified a bit in the last year of his life because of you know circumstances beyond his control but you know it's like a nice little like bonus if you like you know that he was acknowledged more purely by coincidence in the Seinfeld community because of his character and his lack of hygiene and that being relatable to what we've all gone through this year and are still going through yeah and don't be like poppy don't be sloppy wash your hands exactly. <laughs> it's the mantra for 2020 yeah so uh you know again nothing nothing uh you know he didn't do anything for that it's just purely a coincidence but i guess uh you know if the last year of your life if if more people acknowledge you just by something you did 20 years, 30 years prior. That's a nice little sort of bonus to, you know, to your legacy in the last year of your life, I think. For sure. But he had a very uh, storied career nonetheless. Indeed. Elsa Raven, she passed away on November 2nd. She was 91. She played Mom in Season 6's The Mum and Pop Store. And uh, she's most famous for playing the Clock Tower Lady in Back to the Future 1, 2, and possibly 3. Save the Clock Tower. Save the Clock Tower. Can't remember if she was in three. Let me just check that out. Uh, hmm. No, it looks like she was only in yeah the first two. First two, yeah. But uh, yeah, she did play Mom in the Mom and Pop Store, and uh, yeah, she's the one where Kramer says they should get the wiring, you know, sorted in the shop. The wiring that they haven't touched in probably thirty years, and uh, then they get done for her. They get in trouble. Yeah, and uh, she like all the other actors uh, that we've talked about so far, as well as the the role in Back to the Future. She's also appeared in Indecent Proposal. Uh, she played a role in Titanic. She was also in The Postman Always Rings Twice, Twilight Zone movie from 1983, uh, The Amityville Horror from 1979, and uh, lots and lots and lots of others. So again, another storied and uh, prolific career for Elsa. Yeah, for sure. Lots of good things she's been in. That's right. And uh, the last person directly involved in Seinfeld, uh, not an actor, but rather the director, director for the very first episode of the show, the Seinfeld Chronicles pilot, good news, bad news, whatever you want to call it, Art Wolf. He passed away on November 16 and he was 82 years old. So he has had a prolific career as being a director and a producer and stuff, but uh, Art was most famous for directing the first ever episode of the show. So quite a milestone. Yeah. So, I mean, the pilot, we talked about this about a month ago when he did pass. I do remember mentioning that, you know, I'm sure Art had a lot of, he had a lot of power and, and made a lot of decisions about the tone of the show setting of the show etc in the pilot and obviously a lot of that changed but he still set a lot of you know he, he laid the groundwork for a lot of things to be built upon you know you watch the you watch the pilot now and it's very different in every way in terms of tone pacing settings you know elaine's not even in it there's a different female character i can't remember her name. claire the waitress yeah but you know a lot of i've seen a lot of pilots that are literally different shows from the preceding series but uh you know, and even though there is a difference between Seinfeld Chronicles and most of the rest of the show, uh, there's still a lot of commonality. So I would say that, you know, Art Wolf's legacy, even though he was only involved in the pilot, was cemented just by the persistence of Seinfeld and then its eventual growth into what it is now. Yeah, he was definitely a part of something special. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's not to say that his legacy is only tied to Seinfeld. Uh, no, of course said, not. Uh, you know, very, very respectable and successful producer in his own right. He was involved in the Tracy Ullman show, uh, the Gary Shandling show. He was also a very very notable acting coach, so as well as a producer. He had a helping hand in the success uh, and, and acting skills of Dakota Fanning, uh, Sean Penn, Matthew Perry, Harry Shearer, Michael McKean, Julie Haggerty, Steve Martin, Brian Benben, uh, and a whole lot more. So yeah, a successful and, and skilled man across many, many, many parts of uh, you know the acting spectrum. A man of many talents. Indeed. Yes. And uh, 
they were the last of the uh, people mostly involved in Seinfeld, but uh, we got a few people who were referenced on the show who passed away. Uh, we'll start with Kenny Rogers. Uh, he passed away on the 20th of March. He was 81 years old. Uh, his chicken chain that he used to own, Kenny Rogers Roasters, was referenced in Season 8's The Chicken Roaster. Kenny, 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 Kenny. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, his, uh, his chicken shop, it was a good product placement for him. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously he wasn't on the show, but uh, yeah, the, the you know, Kenny Rogers himself, you know, very famous country singer, very prolific career, most famous for, or he kind of crossed over into the mainstream with Dolly Parton when they did the crossover hit uh, Islands in the Stream in the 80s. That was a big hit on, uh, you know, mainstream radio. And uh, yeah, Kenny's had, uh, he's a legend in the, in the country music scene. Yeah. And even before Islands in the Stream, a legendary duet with Dolly, his biggest solo success was The Gambler which was uh, kind of his signature song and one of those all-timer songs, you know, like I think everyone has heard that song at least once. Yeah. You might not know who, it, not who it's by, but it's kind of one of those songs that has transcended its own genre, its own decade, its own everything, and it's just become like a staple song and it will be forever. Yep. So not many people get to that, you know, write a song that memorable that everyone kind of knows, even if they're not a fan of Kenny or, you know, anyone who writes those songs, but, uh, you know, a, a very, very, very notable cheap achievement. And a very good sing-along chorus, which is a metaphor for life. You know, you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, walk away, when to run. You know, these are all uh, good messages for life. That's it. Mm. It's also a, um, which I guess is slightly more relevant to, you know, the, the medium in which we spend a lot of time talking about TV and movies. He was also a pretty well-known actor. So he appeared in a movie called uh, Six Pack, played a race car driver, and it was actually quite a box office success. And, oh, I never uh, heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know about this. I'm just reading. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know either. I, I didn't know yeah. he was an actor. Goodness, yeah. I, I probably I had a feeling he was probably in like cameos for stuff, but I didn't think he was in full full fledged films. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't think he was like a you know an A list actor, but uh, he did no, pretty no. well. You know, a lot of a lot of singers who try to become actors or vice versa. You know, the stereotype is is that it's uh you know it doesn't usually go too well. But uh, he did all right, relatively speaking. Um, <laughs> he also, and again, I know nothing about this. Uh, his song, I'm guessing, uh, or whether it was just a copy of the title because it was so well known, was adapted into a made-for-TV movie series titled The Gambler. So there you go. Okay, there you go. So it transcended into other media, that song. It's it's so, you know, it's such an influential and uh, very memorable song. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for sure. And uh, Regis Philbin, he's the next person. Well, he, well, he unlike Kenny, rather, he was on the show, but he played himself. Uh, Regis Philbin, he passed away on July 24th. He was 88 years old. He appeared as himself on his talk show with Kathy Lee Gifford in season five finale, The Opposite, where Kramer shows off his coffee table book about coffee tables. And uh, in that scene, I love it how Kramer's antics, he just becomes more, you know, Kramer as it goes along. And Regis, you know, he's like, wow, this guy's bunkers. This guy's bunkers. Yeah. And, uh, I vaguely remember when we did that episode that apparently, I think, and I could just look this up to confirm, but I'm pretty sure Regis didn't like that line and he wanted to read no. it, but they, everyone else liked it so much or they were just <laughs> like, yeah, no, nah, it's staying. And uh, even if he didn't like it, you know, after the show, you know, well into, you know, his career after Seinfeld, you know, it's kind of good that it was kept that way because it's such a memorable line. Yeah, it is. And uh, I like how it was, they were plaguing themselves, Regis and Kathy Lee, and uh, on their own show. And uh, it was kind of like, yeah, a real life show that Kramer was in, which was great. And 
and uh, Regis, he's had a very prolific career. He was also the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I believe, in the US for many, many years. And uh, Kathy Lee left the Regis and Kathy Lee show. And uh, I think I forgot the name of the other person, but uh, he stayed on that show for another 10 or so years with uh, different co-hosts. Yeah, so it was Regis and Kathy Lee. And then after that, it uh, he got another co-host. I can't remember her full name, Kelly someone. But uh, yep. yeah, after Regis and Kathy Lee, it became live with Regis and Kelly. And that show uh, was as successful as, uh, you know, Regis and Kathy Lee, which is no small feat. That's right. And uh, that they uh, Regis and Kelly got involved in 2001 on the show and uh, he left in 2011 and the show became live with Kelly. Oh, well, there you go. Mm, uh, yes. Just just looking through his Wikipedia, I don't know how much success he had with it, but uh, there is a decent little section about uh, a music career of his. So he released a couple of albums, or three albums in total. So he released his first album. It was called It's Time for Regis in 1968. And, uh, <laughs> nice. Maybe he was trying to, you know, become successful in music and then TV sort of worked out for him. Uh, yeah. Then, and then in 2004 and then again in 2009, he released two other albums, When You're Smiling and then uh, Just You, Just Me. So. No idea what genre they are or whether they're successful or whether they're actually any good. I'm guessing probably like crooner maybe kind of music. Yeah, I I could imagine him singing, you know, yeah, like big band songs or that style. Yeah, for sure. That style, for sure. By his look and by his style, (laughs) even by the sound of his voice. He's got a very smooth voice. So I could imagine him, you know, punching out some Frank Sinatra and stuff like that. All all those big uh, classics. And uh, yeah, he was once called the hardest working man in show business. He actually holds, as of now, the Guinness World Record for the most hours on US television. Wow. So yeah, he was a very popular and a very, uh, very influential TV host in the US. Indeed. And the final person to be referenced in Seinfeld, which we did report on in Seinfeld News, I think a week or two ago, uh, very recently, David Dinkins, the former mayor of New York City. Uh, he passed away on November 23rd and he was 93 years old. Uh, he was referenced in season five's The Non-Fat Yogurt, where uh, Elaine suggests to Lloyd Braun, who was his, uh, you know, helping with uh, the Dinkins campaign at the time, to suggest the name tag idea for everyone in New York and uh, that cost him the election. Yeah, Elaine, you know, suggesting a, a pretty like harmless and practical idea inadvertently brings uh, upon the downfall of David Dinkin's political career and uh, also uh, Lloyd Braun's uh, psychology and uh, life in general. It's yeah, a huge, it's a huge uh, disaster by one sort of innocent, you know, harmless suggestion. Uh, but David Dinkins, as a mayor, was extremely, uh, I guess, prolific. He was the first African American mayor to be the mayor of New York, and politically speaking, he achieved a lot. He did a lot for cleaning up New York, quote unquote, cleaning up New York uh, after sort of the grimier, gringy. Grungier. Grungy? That's not a word. <laughs> Grungy. <laughs> so he was around, uh, you know, he was mayor when grunge came out. So yeah, it makes true. sense. It was, he was wearing his flannel and Doc Martens. Yeah, yeah. Zing in the runner. Yeah, he did a lot to clean up um, New York's crime and he did a lot to bring back tourism and just the, I guess, the, the classiness of certain parts of New York. Um, and then that was yeah. continued mm. via uh, Rudy Giuliani in the 90s and the early 90s. I mean, that's sort of what he's most well known for, but uh, I'm sure he lived achieved a lot of other successful political outcomes through his career but you know in popular culture those sort of things aren't really well known but uh you know if you if you like politics or interested in political careers just judging by his wikipedia which is a mile long uh it looks like he did quite a lot (laughs) yeah quite a lot yeah i'm not familiar with new york politics but uh yeah i I have heard of david dinkins and i'm sure he's done lots of good things yeah for sure and just the fact that he was the first african-american mayor you know whether he was politically successful successful or popular or not that in and of itself is extremely notable much like obama 
Obama. You know, a lot of people criticize Obama for his lack of achievement, but just the fact that he was a black person elected to such a high office, you know, is an achievement. And, you know, that that's in and of itself worth, you know, remembering and respecting him for. Yeah, and the fact that he was on Seinfeld just makes it uh, a bit better. That's the cherry on top. That's the cherry indeed. Anyway, that was our In Memoriam for 2020, our very first one in the entire series. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're enjoying our Christmas and New Year break at the moment and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the airport from Season 4. We'll be back with regular Basque episodes. Uh, you can support the show on Patreon and PayPal, PayPal for one-off donations and Patreon for a very low monthly fee. You do get bonus content, including this episode earlier than everyone else, as well as bonus podcasts, Curbcast and Season 11. And you can find us on social media at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C and email us, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. All of those details are in the show notes. Indeed. Take care. Uh, This year has been an absolute shocker and uh, we appreciate you all listening with us and we hope we've brought you some sort of peace um, or escape or distraction or humor or anything positive in what I said uh, what, like I said, has been an extremely overwhelming and, and challenging year for pretty much everyone. And uh, 2021 looks a lot more hopeful with a vaccine uh, and a shift in a whole bunch of other things. And mm. uh, we'll only be podcasting for another three or four months in this form. Uh, but yeah. we've got lots of cool things planned for the remainder of Bidwabask as we wrap up the remaining episodes that we haven't talked about yet and uh, further on into 2021. So again, thank you for listening. It's been a tough year. It's almost over. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this little in memoriam. And uh, we hope it inspires you to go and you know read about these people because they're all excellent in their own right and uh you know just 12 more reasons to to love seinfeld yeah and go back to watch uh, the episodes that they were in as well or release their most memorable ones for people like jerry stiller and richard hurd who have been in several episodes i encourage you to go back and, uh, and watch those scenes again yep that's exactly right my name's ivan and i'm steven we'll see you in 2021 for the remaining or final episodes of bid take care of yourselves and each other